technical preacher you've ever seen or heard. lot of things that I do not know about it, but it's the day in which we live. I don't know why you're here today, because I don't know you. I, I have a feeling that you're here because this is what you do on Sunday morning. And if you're going to have a Sunday morning habit, this is the best Sunday morning habit you can have. Amen. Those of you that do not know, my name is Tim Mahoney, and uh, I am Norma McNair's brother. She may not admit that, but I admit it. And I'm so glad to be here today with Brother and Sister Grant in the Peace Tabernacle. Let's read one verse of Scripture. You can remain seated. I don't know if you normally stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Did you get my Scriptures? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, now, the entire 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians deals with the resurrection. The resurrection beginning with that of Jesus Christ and right on through till the rapture. It ends talking about we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye talking about resurrected bodies, new bodies. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And then the very last verse of that chapter begins with the words, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. And uh, it refers back to the entire chapter. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain, My subject is one thing that we desperately need that God can't give us. That may be a little hard to believe, but I think you will understand when I am finished today. When you say God can't do something, why? But the Bible says nothing shall be impossible. The Bible is a, is a person. The Bible is not just a book. It's a person. 
It has personality and profile and character. And the Bible says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. You need to, you need to always read the whole story. And so when you say God can't do some things, he said there's some things that he can't do. One of my good friends is named Jimmy Trotty. I've never met him. I've never seen him. I don't know where he lives. We've never drank coffee together. He's a barber in Moss Bluff where I live. Uh, never been in his barber shop. But he delivers my paper every morning. I'm a little weird about my paper every I still read a newspaper. It doesn't take me long anymore because there's a lot of news that I just don't find interesting anymore. So I used to read it more carefully than I do. But he, he does special things with the paper. If there's even a chance that it's going to rain, he will double bag the paper because if you put a single bag on the paper, throw it on a concrete driveway, the paper can tear, and if it rains, the paper's going to get wet. I do not like to pick up my paper and it be wet. Now, we've never discussed this. Like I said, I do not know him. I found out who he was from a friend of his. And if there's a cloud in the sky, he throws the paper right up against my garage door. So when I open my garage door, the paper's right there. And uh, I appreciate that about him. I can count on him. Uh, last night, I... Uh, Decided I wanted a little snack, a little something to eat before I went to bed. We have a chain restaurant in Lake Charles, and I, I won't call the name of it. I wouldn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it is the absolute bottom of the barrel of that particular chain. Uh, if you go there, you, you, just, you, you really need to take a sack lunch if you're going to eat lunch there because the wait is so long and it's, it's not worth it. But I really like this place, especially if you feel like you'd like uh, a, a good bowl of grits and some nice wheat decaf coffee. And uh, you, you're just dying to know where it is. I know you are. And there was, there's one just, just down the street here. No, don't say it. He said, I hop. Well, he's right. And I went in. I, I, I try them everywhere I go. And this place was spit and polish. The lady was right there. She always... Uh, checking on what I needed uh, quick. The food was was cooked like I ordered it, and 
it, it gave me faith. I just wish that I could take the manager of this IHOP back to Lake Charles with me because ours is terrible times 10. What keeps you going back to the same restaurant all the time? What will, what will guard against foolish extremes? What, uh, what brings confidence to you, leaders? What adds more weight to Christian influence and witness? It's wrapped up in one word, and that word is consistency. There are places uh, that, that my wife and I, mo most of the places that we like to go eat are little holes in the wall. You either know where they are or you don't go because you can't tell anybody how to get there because you can't get there from here. We have a little place in Lake Charles called the Seafood Palace. It's not a palace. And uh, we started going there almost, well, 40 years ago when we pastored out in the country from Lake Charles. And uh, it's a wonderful little seafood restaurant. That's not the classiest. There's no ambiance there. Uh, there's no class there. All they have there is good food and good service, and it's consistent. Consistency wins every time. Consistency stands firm. It keeps us free from silly moods and fickle fads. Consistency. Everybody say consistency. Consistency is faithful and resolute and reliable and faithful. Ephesians 4 and 14 says, Be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Uh, and And... Paul concluded the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians by saying, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. You can't always abound without being steadfast and unmovable. Years ago in New Orleans, uh, there was an amusement park called Pontchartrain Park and they had a ride there called the Zephyr. They had the big Zephyr and the little Zephyr and it, it, it just went like this all the way around the park. And uh, about the time you got high, you were headed low and when you got low, you were headed high. And so many people live their life like that. You know, there are some folks that will never have a common cold. It'll be double pneumonia or nothing. And there are, everything is not a huge deal. Uh, we have to learn that. Stability 
is a Bible virtue. Jana Scott had a baby named Jacob. Jacob swallowed a small piece of plastic and was choking. And she dialed 911. And the operator was named Chris. Chris was actually just in training. But he very coolly and calmly talked Jana through the crisis, explaining to her how to hold uh, her baby in her lap and with the bottom of her hand stroke him firmly in the back. She did it a couple of times and he spit out the piece of plastic and uh, he was he was fine. Tammy Clark was Chris's supervisor. She had listened to the conversation. She had watched how, because he was in training, she had watched him uh, handle that. And she walked up to him and said, Chris, you did an amazing job. You just saved that baby's life. And Chris said, Tammy, that was my baby. Now, when Chris recognized his wife's voice on the call and she told him that my baby's choking to death, Chris could have fallen out, had a heart attack, screamed. Somebody called 911. Uh, she could have, he could have got so flustered but if you're going to be in that kind of job, if you're going to do it successfully, you're going to have to be consistent. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that or not. I know that my wife is not capable of doing that. Mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, they, they get all up in stuff, you know, and uh, because that's their nature, the, the caring nature. And... Uh, but he said that that was my baby. Consistency is something that we desperately need, but God cannot give that to us. You, you cannot come up here and ask your pastor to anoint you with oil and pray that God give you consistency. You can't. It, it, you can't impart that. Paul said, be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable. It's a, it's a command. He's saying, possess it. Just do it like the logo says, a, a tennis shoe logo, whatever. I never did know what that means as far as tennis shoes is concerned. Just do it. You, you can impart some things, but you can't impart Consistency. There are some things that have to be homegrown in your life. There are some things you have to cultivate in your life. And consistency is one of those things. I, uh, I, I, I witnessed a man being sentenced to death 
one time. He had brutally raped and killed a 13-year-old girl. And uh, her family attended our church. And you can imagine their emotional trauma. They asked if I would stand beside them, and I did. That was, that was uh, difficult to be there when the man received the death sentence. I read in the Bible about a man who received a death sentence. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, long live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now that would not have affected a lot of people because it's not a big thing for them to go 30 days without prayer. But for Daniel, that was a death sentence. He was probably in his 80s. And, uh, but what, what did he do? He did not tear his clothes. He did not run through the streets wailing. Uh, he did not go into seclusion. He did not move to another country or change his name. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He did what he did the day before he heard about the decree. And he did what he was planning to do the day after the decree. He had uh, cut a path in his life. He had established a way that he was going to live. I don't know if it's true or not. Dr. Jack Hiles, who pastored uh, Baptist, Greater Baptist Temple in Hammond, Indiana for years, made the statement in one of his books that a human being has five decisions to make in his life. And if he will properly make those five decisions, that then his life will be a success. And it's it's a very interesting read. 
For Daniel, it was business as usual. He had decided, this is what I'm going to do. I'm a, I am a man of habits, and the older I get, the more habitual I, uh, I am. There, I, I get up about the same time. I, I drink my ultra-weak decaf Folgers coffee. My wife does not allow me to call it coffee publicly. She drinks black community shoe polish. And uh, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm not man enough for that. And uh, uh, I put lots of coffee mate, one pack of equal, one pack of sweet and low. And I drink my coffee in a styrofoam cup, which... I've never met anybody else that really likes to drink coffee in a styrofoam cup. People that like to drink their coffee in these little fancy cups. My wife likes these little flowery cups with the the top is kind of uh, funny looking, you know. I don't like that. So I, I have habits. But I'll tell you what, habits can save you. Habits saved Daniel. He just went to prayer three times a day with his window open toward Jerusalem. And when you decide that, you don't have to make a decision. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to fall out frothing at the mouth? Or am I going to do what I have been doing? That's called consistency. And you have to build that into your life. You have to work that into your life. There are over 500 geysers in Yellowstone National Park. In fact, the majority of the geysers in the world are in Yellowstone National Park. Can you name one? Can you name another one? I don't know the name of, of any of them. Now, the one you named is Old Faithful. I mean, if anybody knows anything about geysers, they, they, they know about Old Faithful. Old Faithful is not the largest geyser in Yellowstone. It's not the most beautiful. It doesn't shoot up the tallest. But why is it the most famous? Because every 65 minutes, that water boils up into the air. And I don't understand the logistics of all of that. I've never studied geysers. I'm not a geologist but I know it's called Old Faithful. And if anybody knows the name of a guy, now there's over 500 geysers in Yellowstone, but nobody knows the others. They just know the one that is faithful, steady. means a lot. Psalm 55 and 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray 
and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Every one of us have gotten bad news. You've gotten texts that were like a knife sticking into your heart. You've gotten uh, phone calls that brought news that uh, was terrible. I remember the day that my mother knocked on our door, apartment 2C, Middle Breezeway, upstairs on the left at Texas Bible College. It was a Sunday morning, and she told me when I answered the door that my wife's brother had just called, and her mother had passed away during the night, and when her father awakened that morning, her mother had already passed away. That There was no time to prepare for that. She'd gotten a clean bill of health from her doctor two weeks earlier. There's no time to prepare for that. There's a lot of things that come your way. Oppositions that press against you. Questions that you are asked. Situations that happen on your job that can throw you off because you hadn't had any time to prepare for it. That is the importance of establishing consistency in your life. This church is carried on the shoulders of consistent men and women and young people and children. That's, in, in the words of Brother J. Roy Wiedner, that's who makes the mare trot at Peace Tabernacle. Consistent people. And uh, it's easy for me to stand here and teach this this morning, but there have been some Sunday mornings that I didn't feel like teaching on consistency. I wanted to throw a hammer through the wall. I wanted to scream and cry and, and things like that. But what you do is you prepare your life ahead of time. You chart some habitual steps and responses. Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain, Paul said. You know, Jesus knew that he was headed into the deadliest and most devastating battle of his entire life, and that was in Gethsemane. That was where his biggest battle was waged. Not at, not at Calvary. Gethsemane was where he fought his greatest battle. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 9, the Bible said he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. Th those words, as he was wont, actually means as was his habit. He went to a place of prayer to set himself in order and... Uh, this is a crazy world. Did you ever think it could get this crazy? If I could bring my father back, 
from the dead who had passed away almost 50 years ago and, and let him see what's going on in this world, he would he'd probably say, put me back in the casket. I don't, I don't want any part of this, you know. It is. It's just it's unbelievably crazy. The stuff that people say and do, the things that pastors have to deal with in the lives of people because people's challenges are so complicated. Uh, you know, you hear there's always some kind of something going on in people's lives. And, and people had problems when they were children. And, and now as they're older, they're looking back and blaming that, you know, and so since my daddy whipped me with a belt, I'm going to push my wife off the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, my daddy whipped me with a belt, and I'm too scared to push my wife off a bridge. <laughs> Tell you, you'd be, you'd be getting a notice about my funeral, and I know that. Some people are always blaming something in their life, you know. I come from a dysfunctional family. I want to tell you something. If you have one man and one woman living in one house with one thermostat, you have a dysfunctional family. That's a that's settled fact. And my, my, my house is that way, and it's flipped. She's the one that's hot, and I'm the one that's cold now. For years, I froze her to death. But... Uh, and we, we all have, and they're real struggles. I mean, we, we find out things that people faced as children and young people, and they're real. They're not fantasized. They're real. And trying to deal with that in this world, it's just complicated. I was in a Walmart a couple of years ago in this you, when I get through telling you this, you're probably going to say, well, Brother Mahoney needs a day job. But, you know, you used to go buy shampoo, you know. You, you get Prell, Feel 5, Head and Shoulders, a handful of... The choices in this day and time are unbelievable. I counted in that Walmart there were 100 and 63 different kinds of shampoo. And it's that way with everything. I mean, you used to get, you got Cheerios, Corn Flakes, Rice Krispies, Raisin Bran. That's what you got. There wasn't nothing else. Oh, my Lord, you, can't, you got so many choices. And that complicates things. I had Rice Krispies for breakfast this morning at the motel because the Lord said it was good. And uh, I, don't, I don't want a lot of stuff. You need, you need to cut some grooves in your life that will keep you safe. I'm not talking about being stale but consistency wins every time. I pastored a precious little Cajun couple called 
Muriel, named Muriel and Irvin Richard. And uh, they were just the absolute most precious people I ever knew. And uh, Brother Richard passed away. And he had his, we had his wake at the church the night before the funeral. And it was just, it was my custom. I would get to the church first on the morning of the funeral. And I would go in and uh, the lights were already low. There was music playing through the system. And I'd uh, unlock the door. And I'd, I'd just like to be in there when one of our good saints would pass away uh, it's oh, uh, maybe it's weird but I just enjoyed being in the, their presence so nobody's there but me and I'm just kind of walking back and forth across the front of the sanctuary the front door opened the church Sister Richard walked in she's a little short very slim lady she had her purse over her arm, her Bible in the other hand. And she started walking down the aisle, and I stepped over to the side to give her some privacy. And she said, good morning, Brother Mahoney. And she walked up to the casket of the man that she had been married to for 53 years. She put her hand on him, on his hand, and then she leaned down and kissed him. And then she straightened back up and she went around the side and went in the ladies' prayer room. Why did she do that? Because that's what she always did. She didn't have to make an agenda before she went to bed the night before. She was going to do what she always did. She was going to go to prayer. And when she did that, I realized there is so much that can come from our having some consistent habits in our life. You know, some people just fly all over everything. Everything's a big deal. Just, some people, they just... They go with a huff and a rough. I got some preacher friends. I love them very much, very dearly, but they make me so tired when I'm, ar when I'm around them. I need oxygen. They're just running and, hey, on the phone. Uh, uh, you, you can't even eat catfish with them without them. They're worried about everything. And I, I'm saying, hey, you know what? I want you to live a lot longer. But some folks can't operate like everything's a crisis oh my god it's just a crisis if, if, if you operate your life like that 2020 is just going to knock you in the head <laughs> expect a a bad heat wave through the summer because there will be so much hot air coming out of Washington in an election year. You know, we always have bad heat wave during election year, and that's the reason. And uh, just, just be steady. Just be steady. 
I sound kind of like a smart aleck up here to me. I hope I'm not. When you're blindsided by bad news, what are you going to do? Well, I tell you, Paul said, be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, because you know your faith is not in vain. It's not in vain. A friend of mine, Brother Jerry Jones, uh, we were preaching a revival for him in Metairie, Louisiana, 42 years ago. And uh, he and Phil, his wife, were living uh, in the church evangelist quarters. And he put me and Joan and our oldest son, John, at the nursery. And Joan and I were sleeping on a little three-quarter bed, a mobile home bed. And uh, John was sleeping in a baby bed in the nursery. Uh, we, we had to raise some money so that he would get a paycheck and I would get a paycheck during the revival. And he decided that we, we would take a wallpaper hanging job. So a uh, friend of ours was subbing out the paper and painting job up at Walker, which is near Denham Springs. And so he subbed out the wallpaper to Brother Jones. (laughs) I had never seen a piece of wallpaper hung on the wall. I had never even seen it. He had read a book. And here's this real nice house, and we're going to go hang the wallpaper, and for some weird reason we started in the foyer. If it's your first time to hang wallpaper, start in the back bedroom, not the foyer. I didn't know. He explained to me how to measure and cut and paste. I didn't understand why that paste was like clabbered milk. It had, it really, it looked like uh, buttermilk almost. You're putting it on, and it looked weird to me, but. I didn't know that it wasn't supposed to be like that. And so I would cut and give it to him and cut and give it to him. And as we worked around the foyer, I kept noticing that the wallpaper was lapping over the top of the ceiling and it was riding up the wall on the bottom. I said, Jerry, we're doing something wrong. By the time we get back around over here, all the wallpaper is going to be on the ceiling. And so we we had to take it all down. It was big flowery stuff. It was gold and black and brown and orange flowers. And, And we didn't know what we were doing. So we got his book out. And he found out that you're supposed to pop a line if you're going to hang wallpaper. Before you start, you pop a line and you put every sheet, you 
start that first sheet. You get that first sheet straight, and then as you work around, when you get back around, it's going to meet up and be right. And we did, and I'm sure six months later, there wasn't any of that wallpaper still on the wall, but it looked nice when we moved, when we pulled out uh, that day and headed back to Metairie, or that week. And so, you know what you need to do in your life? Every morning when you get up, I suggest that you pop a line. And you keep everything level in your life. Steady. There's a lot of distractions in the world. The devil likes to create little sideshows to distract you. And there's a lot of bright lights in the sky. I remember back in 97, uh, the comet hail bop that went across the countryside. And for weeks, we, you could see it. And they would tell us things like this thing is traveling at, I don't know, astronomical speed and the tail of that comet, it, they said, was 50 million miles long. And day after day, you could see that comet moving in the vastness of the universe. But that didn't do one thing for my wife's roses. Meteor showers does not help your grass to grow. Lightning that's while maybe beautiful in the sky, it does not offer what plants need. You need the steadiness of sunshine. I don't want to be a flash in the pan Christian. Every day I want to get up and pop a line. I have, I'm not trying to use myself as an example, but I I have some prayers that I pray every morning. And I know when I go to bed tonight that tomorrow morning when I wake up, these are some things I'm going to cover. I'm going to cover my family and these people and myself. and They're just some things that get me going, get me started. I don't want to spend my prayer time going, Oh, Jesus, oh, God, thank you, Lord Jesus, amen. I don't want to do that. I want my prayer to mean something. <laughs> I, uh, I pastored a man one time. It, it, he was an individual. It, it didn't take a lot of church for him like it did most of us. Now, I've always needed a lot of church. I must kind of be a bad person because it, it's always taken a lot of church for me. Uh, my, young, my oldest son, John, went to 300 church services before his first birthday. So, and that's kind of the way Mahoney's do. And, uh, but this particular guy, he would come every couple of months, and when he came through the door, he was on fire. He was kicking folks with his cowboy boots and and leaving marks on the pews and just twisting and a turning and 
buck dancing up and down the aisle, and then he'd disappear. Loved him. You can't build a church on people like that. It is better to do the small things consistently than it is to do great things spasmodically. Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always about. When you get up in the morning, pop a line. God bless you. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you for your attentiveness to the word of the Lord. It's been a pleasure to walk this line with you this morning. And I believe the pastor said you have a 15-minute break before you go, we go to the next part of the service. So if you want to run down to IHOP and get a quick bowl of grits, feel free to. God bless you in Jesus' name.